0: So today is the 11th of April, 2021, the Uposata Day, Lunar Observance Day. The monastic sanghas come together to chant the praises of the, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. We also chanted the contemplation of the four requisites, the four supports of robes, alms food, lodging, and medicine. And this is something that the Sangha contemplates every day. We contemplate that the robe is for protection from cold and heat and from uh, biting things and from wind and weather. We contemplate as well that the body is something unclean. And we see that the robe starts out as something clean, but then after coming in contact with the body, The robe also becomes unclean uh, due to the contact with the body. We also contemplate food. Contemplate whether one's a, a monk or a novice, a bhikkhu or a novice. We contemplate all the same. And we chant in Pali, but we understand in our own language the meaning of the words that we chant. And during the day, it's possible we may have forgotten to contemplate these four requisites uh, properly. So we come together and contemplate them together in the evening. And why do we contemplate? It's because we use these four things daily. And if we don't contemplate them, it's easy to get lost in them, to get deluded with their use. Uh, We forget the purpose of the four requisites. For example, in terms of lodging, one's monastic dwelling, one's kuti, whether one's a a bhikkhu or a, a novice, one contemplates that one's dwelling is for one's life as a samana, as a renunciate. It's not for the sake of pleasure and ease, but it's for the sake of protection from weather, from cold and heat and biting things. And if one doesn't contemplate properly, the use of the requisites can become an obstacle in one's meditation practice. So we contemplate the use of the lodging and all the four requisites, contemplate food. That food is just to give strength to the body. It's to give strength so that we're able to sit, walk, uh, chant and meditate, things for which we need bodily energy And we need the strength to to fight with the various sense impressions and moods because the mind is not peaceful all day long. Sometimes the mind is agitated, uh, chaotic, filled with doubts, uh, busy. And this is natural. This is the nature of the five hindrances. Because these five hindrances have been embedded in the mind for a very long time already. We like things, we dislike things, we feel aversion or wish harm. And this aversion and wishing harm, all the five hindrances are types of dukkha, stress and suffering, give rise to heat in the heart. And this is what we call bapa, or unwholesome, uh, painful karma, which is a heat in the heart. And this heat in the heart, we call dukkha, stress in the heart. We see that this greed, aversion and delusion is the cause for selfishness to arise, doing things just for oneself and harming others in the process. And doing things just for oneself in this uh in this way is a unwholesome karma, a bapa. For instance, uh keeping keeping wealth just for oneself can lead to a high level of uh, clinging and attachment. And then when one dies, one's mind is still agitated and attached to that wealth. And one can even be uh, reborn as a ghost guarding that same wealth. This is something that happens. So we see that the more one clings, the more this heat, the more this negative karma arises, and this is dukkha arising Uh, bit by bit in the heart, which increases more and more and gives rise to very high levels of suffering. And the heart becomes so hot, it becomes like a fire in the heart. And this is the heart in hell. And if it's a little fire, this is hell a little bit. If it's a lot of fire, it's a lot of hell. This is the chaos and agitation in the mind. So we use the four requisites, we contemplate their proper use. And if we don't contemplate the use of the four requisites, then this is improper. Uh, If one doesn't contemplate and one uses them uh, without wisdom or mindfulness, then one becomes indebted to those who have offered it, indebted to the laity. Because one didn't work for them oneself, one didn't go out and use one's energy. Uh, to obtain them as the lay people did. So one needs to contemplate them first, these four requisites of robes, food, lodging, and medicine. This is the practice of the monastics, to bring the mind to peace, to be careful and restrain the mind. So this uh, samadhi, this collectedness of mind, we start out being careful and keeping guard over our hearts, to keep guard from the kilesas arising with regard to uh, bodily sensations, uh, visual forms, sounds, smells, tastes, and mental formations. And if our samadhi is firm, if our mind is well collected, then we can see the mental defilements arise, uh, As one contacts these sense impressions, one can see the kilesa arising and know it in time. And this knowing in time is seeing the dhamma. However, one's samadhi may not be to that level, so one needs to practice first. There was one great elder, Mahatera monk, who had already practiced some meditation and he knew the texts very well and yet he still had not attained to insight. So he went to receive teachings from a young novice. And this young novice taught him to contemplate the six senses like uh, six holes in a termite mound. And inside the termite mound is the animal that one wants to catch. So you close all five holes of the mound and leave only one hole open. And this one hole that you leave open is the sense of the mind, the the mental uh, sense faculty. And having closed off the five physical senses, one's able to easily catch the animal as it comes out of of that one hole. So we restrain our five senses. We see all the sense impressions as they arise in our hearts. We seek to see selfishness as it arises, to see that selfishness comes from proliferation. And this great monk, this Mahatera, was able to understand this clearly and realize full awakening, arahantship. This is the path of sila, samadhi, and panya, gathering together in his mind uh, four times in a row, and he succeeded in his practice because his spiritual development, his parami, was full. He was able to see convention and his heart became liberated. And this is realizing true emptiness. We can say that emptiness, there are many types, many kinds of emptiness. There's a natural type of emptiness, which is when, for instance, greed arises and the greed arises and passes away. And when the greed is gone, the mind returns to its original state, to the original mind. And this, in the mind in its original state, we can call this a type of emptiness. And the same with anger. Anger arises and passes away. And when it's uh, passed away, then the mind again returns to its original state. So we see that the mind is constantly arising, passing, arising, passing, arising and passing. And the mind constantly returns to its original state, to the original mind, in between uh, the arising of uh, these phenomenons such as greed, anger, and delusion. And we can see that we're not angry uh, continuously all the time. But these greed, aversion, and delusion come and go, come and go. So this is a natural type of emptiness. And when we start to gain a little bit of samadhi in our practice, then our mind can become empty from sense impressions. And then this is samadhi controlling greed, aversion, and delusion. And when we realize uh, upajara samadhi, or neighborhood concentration, then this is a samadhi that can control greed, aversion, and delusion to an even greater degree rapture and happiness arise, coolness of heart arises, and this is another type of emptiness of mind, an emptiness from the kilesas temporarily. This is samadhi controlling the kilesas, just like a rock placed on top of grass. While the rock is there, the grass cannot grow, but as soon as you take the rock away, the grass starts to grow again, so this is the temporary suppression of kilesas uh, through samadhi. And when samadhi is developed to the point of one-pointedness, and the mind is profoundly still. The five jhanic factors of applied thought, sustained thought, uh, rapture, happiness, and one-pointedness arise. The mind is very still. The mind is freed from liking and disliking, It's not thinking and proliferating and is uh, temporarily freed from the five hindrances through the control of samadhi, the suppression of samadhi. And even when samadhi is to the momentary level, to the kanaka samadhi level, at this point we can still contemplate the body and see that it's uh, not a me, not a mine, not a self. Contemplate the body as not-self and one. It gives rise to emptiness a little bit. This is the emptiness from wisdom. And seeing not-self, one realizes this emptiness uh, coming from wisdom. Then as samadhi increases even more, we realize upajara, neighborhood concentration. And then we contemplate the body again. We see that the body uh, degrades and passes away. It's just composed of these four elements that degrade and pass away. And again, this gives rise to emptiness in the mind. We see clearly and separate out these elements of earth, air, fire, and water, and see that their nature is to degrade. In separating or looking at them even closer, we see that all the material elements are made out of protons, neutrons, and electrons. And as one separates even these particles out and looks closer and closer, we see that it's all just a type of energy. It's all in reality. It's all empty. There's really nothing there. That all the things of the world are all empty. So we see that absolutely everything is, is empty. And the mind understands this, that there's nothing there. That in the whole universe, it's all empty. There's no self there to be found. There's no me, no you, no I, no mine, no theirs. This is uh, the mind in upajara samadhi can see this more clearly. And then as the mind enters even deeper states of concentration, such as the jhanas, the four jhanas, the states of absorption, the mind has more strength and more energy. And the mind with this greater energy and greater strength can contemplate and see even more clearly that all phenomena are empty by nature. There's really nothing there. Seeing this, the mind realizes emptiness and sees the truth that there's no self to be found. This is the mind going above the world, beyond the world. This is emptiness coming from wisdom. So at first we have the emptiness of samadhi, uh, the suppression of samadhi. Then we contemplate and give rise to wisdom. So in the beginning we use this upajara samadhi, neighborhood concentration. And we practice to bring our minds to the states of absorption, to one pointedness. And at this, and when the mind is peaceful, then we contemplate the body as empty, as not self and then a true emptiness uh, is experienced. We can see that we've been clinging for a very long time already to things as self, as me and mine. And when this knowing arises for oneself, this knowing arises clearly that it's in reality empty and not self, then we really start to understand for ourselves This is the quality of the Dhamma, that the Dhamma is to be known for oneself, seen for oneself. Before it may have been difficult to understand that we contemplate and see this emptiness for ourselves through our practice. And in the beginning, this emptiness arises just a little bit at a time. We have uh, emptiness of greed, aversion and delusion a little bit at a time. And the mind feels at ease uh, more and more through this, these little bits of emptiness. But then the mind returns to a state of agitation and chaos again. So at this point we need to have patient endurance and see that this agitation and chaos is also impermanent. It's not lasting. It comes and goes, arises and passes away. So we may be feeling chaotic and agitated for maybe one hour or a half hour, but it arises and passes away all the same. And in the end, we see that it degrades just like all arisen phenomena. It passes away. And so peace and chaos uh, go back and forth like this, uh, exchange and uh, come and go. And so with the arising of samadhi, we start to have the ability to control the defilements, the kilesas, And we contemplate to see clearly impermanent stress and not-self. And we can see clearly this emptiness, this uh, ownerlessness, this no-me-ness, no mindness, And this happens uh, a little bit at a time, it happens more and more, and the mind becomes uh, truly at ease with this seeing of emptiness. And after seeing emptiness in this way, then the mind returns back to contacting with sense impressions. And then samadhi uh, degrades and clinging arises. We see that uh, pleasure and pain arise, liking and disliking arise with the pleasure and pain. Attachment arises, uh, dukkha arises, heat and chaos in the heart arise we see that what the world calls pleasure is actually just a small amount of of suffering. We see that it's not truly pleasurable, not truly a happiness. Just when dukkha, when stress and suffering decrease, that's what we call pleasure and happiness. And as samadhi increases in our practice, then this is when dhamma practice starts to uh, truly become fun and enjoyable. We start to be able to win uh, and achieve victory over the kilesas We contemplate, give rise to true wisdom. And the more deeply we see, then the more rapture and happiness arise. We see clearer and clearer. Then applied thought, sustained thought, rapture, happiness, and one-pointedness arise. We contemplate more see even more clearly. We see that this samadhi is something of great importance, and samadhi allows us to contemplate with clarity. And to reach the point where we have samadhi, we need to practice, need to practice every day. Practice without ceasing. Whether walking or sitting, have effort and determination in your practice. We see that the four requisites uh, are all prepared, they're all here, uh, for us to use and contempl- so contemplate all the time keep your mind with the Dhamma contemplation contemplate all the inner and outer sense objects uh, contemplate and f- follow the path of not liking and not disliking and if there's a lot of sense impressions contacting the mind then con- then contemplate death contemplate that one must die and really there's no self there to be found that the world is ever-changing, impermanent and that's all the world is. It's just uh, it's just something that's impermanent. See that uh, whether me or you, this or that, really they don't exist in, in reality. And this is the way things are. So we're born into this world, into this human life, and we practice to build our spiritual virtues to to become fuller. And this patient endurance is a parami, a perfection that we build. So if one lacks in peace and samadhi, then build your patient endurance. Uh, then build your mindfulness, your collectedness, and your wisdom. And have patient endurance first. Uh, Do this every day. Even if there's a lot of agitation and chaos, uh, practice patient endurance. See that if the mind lacks samadhi, lacks peace, just come back and do the chanting practice. Whatever chant, One is proficient in, such as the recollection of the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, uh, chant this, such as it to be so, the chanting of, uh, recollecting the Buddha's qualities, Uh, do this and do this quickly, do this a lot. So keep doing this chanting practice. And then if you, if you persist in it, you can see the results for yourself. The mind comes to stillness. uh, Thoughts cease. Uh, Rapture arises. This is the mind realizing emptiness to a degree. To truly understand emptiness and how emptiness is, what emptiness is, then one must practice. So we have the emptiness, the natural type of emptiness as previously described, the emptiness of samadhi which is temporarily free of greed, aversion, and delusion, then we have the emptiness uh, that comes from wisdom. So may you contemplate. And if you're proficient in contemplation, then do contemplation a lot. Contemplate to bring the mind to peace. Contemplate that all, all the things of the world, all phenomena, are all samuti, all conventions. And seeing this clearly, the heart, comes to weemuti, to freedom. For instance, a thermos. We see that in English, it's called a thermos. And in Thai, it's called a katiknam, nam. And we see that it's just a convention. And in the northeast of Thailand, there's another word for it. So similarly, in central Thailand versus northeast Thailand, uh, various words are said differently, like the word for town or city is uh, Muang, and in northeast Thailand it's Miang. So this is just a convention. Or salt in central Thai is Gua, and in Isan it's Gia. So we see that uh, these are just conventions, and to those from other countries, this the meaning of these words may not be clear at all. Just like when uh, some Thai people, when they speak English, due to their accent, uh, some words may be pronounced wrong and the meaning of the words may change and the meaning may be incorrect. So we see that it's all just a convention. So contemplate it all as convention and see that really there's nothing there. Train the mind to come to peace. Uh, bring the mind to emptiness. Use one's wisdom faculty Use one's wisdom to contemplate, and in the end, you can know clearly for yourself. And bring the mind to peace, and this clarity arises. And then you know for yourself that everything is just a convention. But to see this clearly, one needs to bring the mind to stillness, and to give rise to wisdom from meditation And this is the wisdom that comes from practice, this clear seeing. So practice in this way, Uh, don't stop, practice unceasingly. And this as monastics, we contemplate this all the time, contemplate this constantly. So our lives as monastics are restrained within the uh, sila dhamma, within virtue and we take care to restrain ourselves within the padimokha, as padimokha, which means the path to freedom, which is the path of sila, samadhi, and panya, or for the laity, the path of dana, sila, and bhavana, generosity, virtue, and meditation. And if one is of a a personality type of uh, lust or greed, then, people of this uh, greedy or lustful type, they like to see the body as beautiful. They like to be attracted to beautiful things. So for this type of individual, they should contemplate the not-beautiful aspect of the body, the asubha nature of the body. Uh, contemplate the 32 parts. And you can use this as your main meditation. And for those of a diluted type, a diluted Uh, personality type they can contemplate death Uh, contemplate this a lot because their minds may be tending to proliferate a lot about the past and future so contemplate that death is something sure that one's life must end in death contemplate to bring to bring the mind to peace contemplate that all phenomena arise stay for a little while and pass away the body arises, stays for a while, and passes away. Contemplate this all the time. And this is, uh, we pass on a practice, clear seeing, and this can give rise to emptiness. This is emptiness from seeing, or from uh, shamatha, from tranquility. Then we get the emptiness from contemplation. So practice in this way, uh, do this, uh, do this practice. Be intent in your practice. For those who have come to ordain, the monastics have already given up everything to come ordain. So may you be intent in training your mind and have confidence that this is the way to freedom. This is truly the path to peace, to pa- the path to true freedom and peace. So don't give up. Don't retreat. Uh, be intent and have effort. In the beginning, you don't have concentration every day. You'll have chaos and agitation sometimes and proliferation sometimes. And as a foreigner, you have come from a place that's colder than Thailand. So because Thailand is very warm and we're in the midst of the hot season currently, you may become agitated and annoyed very easily uh, due to the heat. So may you be careful with this, and may you may you be careful with food as well. Because some foods uh, give rise to more bodily heat, and if you eat these foods that give rise to heat, and in addition to the hot weather, your body will be too hot, have too much heat element, and you'll become more agitated even more easily. So you can seek out foods that bring about coolness, uh, foods that have a cooling effect. And this is able to help uh, oneself, help one's mind as well. So may you contemplate food properly as part of one's Dhamma practice. Lumpucha taught that this is something very important. If you know how to uh, if you know how to eat, then you know how to practice. And Lumpucha taught to know how to contemplate the four requisites properly to practice to bring the mind to peace, to follow the path of not liking, not disliking. And this is the way to see the Dhamma. This is the way to see the Dhamma in no long time. So may you practice training your mind in this way. Be intent in this practice. Keep meditating. Don't stop. Then you'll be able to see for yourself the truth of uh, the Dhamma. This is how Lung Pu Cha taught. And when you see, uh, the truth, when you practice correctly, you feel very fresh, very, uh, very fresh in your heart. So keep meditating. Don't stop. If you keep meditating without stopping, even if your doubts keep on going without stop as well, you just keep meditating even Keep practicing even with all the doubts, and one day you'll see clearly and your doubts will be dispelled. We see that the reason one has doubts is because one doesn't understand and one wants to go quickly, one wants to see the Dhamma quickly. So we keep practicing, have mindfulness with the heart to see arising and passing away. And just this having mindfulness in the mind, to see arising and passing away, this is already enough, this one is done already, uh, full stop, one doesn't need to know any more than this. Or contemplating a little deeper, one can teach the mind that all phenomena are empty, everything is empty, and when the mind accepts this, then again one is done, one doesn't need any more than this, one is free from liking and disliking, So we teach the mind that all phenomena arise and pass away, that they're all anichang. But the mind doesn't accept this truth because the mind has liking and attachment. So we contemplate this liking. That which you like, Uh, what is it really? Is it uh, truly good? Is it truly beautiful? Is it permanent? Uh, Contemplate in this way whatever one likes or dislikes, really ask, well, what is it really? Does it have a self? Does it have anything true and lasting about it? Does it truly exist? Is it really there? We see that phenomena exist, but just in convention, in terms of wimuti, in terms of ultimate truth, they're not really there. They don't truly exist in any uh, meaningful way. We see that it's all just convention, and truth is empty, and truth, uh, there's no true substance or lasting essence, we see that calling individuals uh, bhikkhu or calling them uh, novice. This is just a convention because the true monk is in the heart. So we practice to see the truth, to give rise to the true monastic in the heart. You know, when... One does this by seeing that everything is a convention. The worldly way of seeing things in terms of the world is seeing things in terms of convention. And when one sees convention for what it is, this is seeing liberation. This is the mind going above the world, beyond the world. One is uh, outside of birth and above death, uh, outside of suffering and above pleasure one sees that this fruit of Nibbāna is the highest. And so in the beginning, we practice to see everything as convention. This is seeing the Dhamma, knowing the Dhamma. So seeing the truth, seeing the Dhamma, this is seeing Nibbāna. Mūṭu Chā taught that uh, seeing the truth, one is outside of cause and above effect. And there was one uh, dharma book of Lumpu Cha that had this teaching of being uh, beyond cause and above effect. And just looking at that much, uh, one is done already. One puts down the book already. One sees that uh, beyond cause and above effect, this is Nibbana. So one keeps practicing and when, when one's parami is ready, one can see nibbana quickly. But we may not be to that level yet. We're not able to let go yet because this uh, clinging and attachment is uh, firmly embedded in the heart. So we continue to contemplate, contemplate convention, ask oneself, is our phenomena really permanent? Are they really me and mine? you and yours, are they really uh, pleasurable? So keep explaining, keep teaching one's heart in order to accept that phenomena are ever-changing, uh, not a self and uh, stressful by nature. And one may feel one's hand, for instance. Uh, one can take up one's hand in one's other hand and just feel one's hand and ask, is this hand really myself? Is it really me and mine? One can look at it and feel the bones, feel the skin, feel the the pinky finger, the ring finger, the middle finger, the pointer finger and the thumb. And see that uh, there's bones, there's blood, there's skin, there's flesh, there's muscle, there's sinew. And ask, uh, which... Which of these parts is, is me? Which is mine? Uh, what makes this hand myself? What makes it mine? So the more we investigate, the more we see that it's, it's actually not a self. It's not a me or a mine. It's not a you or a theirs. It all degrades and passes away. It's all anatta, not self. So we see this not self nature, see it clearly. In the beginning, one, doesn't accept that it's not self. One can't uh, see this clearly. We uh, grab something, we feel that it's our self. We look at our hand and we think that the bones, the skin and so on are our self, it's me, it's mine. However, when these various body parts exit the body, separate from the body, then the mind is able to accept that they're not self, not mine. But when these body parts are still attached to the to the main body, we feel that they're, uh, they are a self, they are me and mine. This is the uh, Sakaya Ditti personality view firmly embedded in the heart. So we keep contemplating the body as not self. We look at our teeth when the teeth leave the mouth. Do we still think of them as, as our teeth? When our blood gets drawn and put in a in a vial, do we still think that it's our blood? Or when our skin flakes off, do we still think it's our skin? Or when our hair falls out, do we still think it's our hair? So we contemplate in this way, contemplate that in reality, there's no owner, it's not a self. However, when the teeth are still in our mouth, we think that they're ours, that they're mine and me. And same with all the other body parts. So this is the attachment to materiality and mentality, to the five khandas of uh, form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. So we bring the mind to samadhi. We contemplate to see clearly that it's all not self. There's no me or mind to be found. In truth, it all degrades and passes away. So we use this wisdom to train our hearts, to bring our hearts to peace. And those that are of a wisdom character type, they contemplate impermanence, stress and not-self. They should do this a lot, contemplate a lot. Contemplate convention and liberation. Contemplate that this body and mind, that all materiality and mentality, It's all not a me, not a mine, not a self, not a you, not a yours. Seeing this clearly, one is able to let go and be free from this attachment, bring the mind to emptiness. So you may may you train in this every day. Uh, Don't give up, don't retreat, be intent, do this all the time. So we have this time to practice, so may you use this time well. Cultivate a lot of mindfulness. And one who has a lot of mindfulness is close to the Buddha. And one lacking in mindfulness is far from the Buddha. So with this so chant, have mindfulness with this chant. Or you can chant Buddha Dhammo Sangho. So do this to bring the mind to peace. And this peace uh, is a type of emptiness. And when the mind is peaceful, contemplate and bring the mind to the emptiness that comes from wisdom. So may you practice this continuously, practice this all the time. May you all be intent in your practice.